cricket, racing, tennis and much more. The long days of summer are perfect for sport and we are here to bring you all the action. You're listening to Summer Days on SENZ. I bounced in here trying to bounce back Ooh, I know I probably ought to throw a couple prayers up To the man upstairs Ooh, instead of watching this bottle that was filled up Just disappear Sitting here wishing on a neon star Up there hanging from behind the bar Hoping there's a U-turn in your car Don't know why I do, cause it never comes true Hey baby, what's it gonna take For my head to unheard and my heart to unbreak Riding on the line Good morning, folks. Welcome in. Three minutes past nine here on SCNZ, uh, SCNZ sorry, Summer Days uh, with uh, Sammy Hewitt in the chair with you until 11am before we head over to Australia, um, the test between Australia and the West Indies, live here on SCNZ. So uh, we just got the two-hour truncated show today, but we've got a lot to get through. Uh, it's a good time of year, isn't it? Lots of sport on um, and lots of good sport that you can just park up on the couch, sit back. Uh, grab a drink, open up the ranch slider, let the breeze flow through. Maybe got a fan running or the uh, heat pump in my case because it was about uh, 27 degrees yesterday, high humidity. I know it probably gets a lot hotter around the country. So I uh, hope you're enjoying it wherever you are. And uh, like I said, we'll try and cover off as much as we can in the next uh, couple of hours. So uh, first off the bat, we'll talk a little bit of cricket. Actually, just want to dive into that T20 uh, yesterday and Finn Allen. What a performance from the young lad. And uh, I mean, personally, I'm not, um, I watch a lot of cricket over the summer. I don't follow it stats-wise as closely as probably some of you out there. But uh, Finn Allen is is a guy that I feel like you've just sort of been waiting for an innings like this, haven't you? He's been playing pretty well against Pakistan, but been been waiting for a big innings like this where he goes and absolutely smashes it. Um, T20 record for New Zealand, highest ever score, uh, overtook Brendan McCullum, who had the previous high. Uh, and the Black Caps getting the job done against Pakistan, and you'd say a pretty dominant uh, three games against Pakistan. Um, we've been able to score runs, and we've been able to bowl and, and feel pretty well. Interestingly, and I know Steve Davey and Warren, uh, Warren Lees talked about this in the commentary yesterday, interesting that Pakistan won the toss and chose to... Um, field again, given that in the first two games it went disastrously for them. So it's funny that they stuck with that. You'd think they'd want to get out there and have a bat and see if they could put a total on. But in any case, the Black Caps get the job done. Another win and uh, a series locked up against uh, Pakistan. We're actually going to talk not to uh, one of the current T20 Black Caps or even the one-day Black Caps. We're going to talk to Neil Wagner, who's uh, playing for the Northern Brave against Canterbury in the Super Smash, the final game of the regular season this afternoon in Hamilton. Then we head into uh, the playoffs and the finals, etc. And these two teams obviously involved in the last two consecutive Super Smash uh, finals. So they very familiar with each other. Bit of a rivalry brewing there. And Neil Wagner, who uh, took the weekend off um, over the weekend, could, uh, knew, had a, uh, another baby to add to the family collection. Um, so he took a game off, but he's back this week. And we're going to talk to him um, just a little bit about how he's progressing. It's been an interesting 12 months for Neil Wagner. He, he uh, had the back issue, then he had the uh, hamstring, uh, went to Bangladesh with the Black Caps in December for the Test Series there, but didn't play, obviously favouring spin and uh, 
two big two big test series coming up one against uh, South Africa one against Australia so just going to check in with Neil Wagner um, and have a good little chin wag to him and talk a little bit of cricket which will be a lot of fun after 9.30 I've got a, a topic for you that I've been scheming about over I schemed about it over the, the Christmas and summer break um, we do a lot of All Blacks going to Rugby League and Rugby League players going to the All Blacks and who would you pick and why and what positions etc I was thinking about um, NRL players, Australian NRL players, who would make an instant impact on the Wallabies. An instant impact on the Wallabies. And I'm thinking of three names. I've got three names in my head. At around about 9.30, we're going to open up the lines, and uh, I want you to give your three and your reasons why. And I want to see if anyone can get the three that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of three players right now in the NRL, Australian-born uh, or Australian-based players, who, if selected for the Wallabies today, personally I think would make an instant impact sure they've got to learn the rules and get up to speed with you know how the game works but I, I genuinely think that they are this good that they would make an instant impact and I'd just love to see them out there to be honest and more out of curiosity because we all want the Wallabies to be better don't we surely we do I, I hate the fact that they've been on the decline for the last 20 years I mean yeah it's great to lock up the bledders low but I'd rather and this is what it's, it's interesting about sport isn't it because you, you do love winning and in most sports people say don't you know don't take it for granted i had this conversation with Stephen mcciver the other day about the patriots people used to always say to me don't take the winning for granted because you know there'd be a day when they're, they're crap again and and you know you're, you're gonna have to support a team that doesn't win all the time and when you're in that zone you're sort of like yeah yeah, yeah okay whatever but um when the day comes as it has for the patriots now and we say goodbye to uh, billy belichick as well it's sort of like oh damn yeah i do i do miss actually all the winning even though you got a bit um, apathetic to it all. It's different with the Bledisloe Cup because there's no visible horizon of Australia suddenly getting better and you know, and the All Blacks declining to an extent where that shifts. It's you know, a lot of sports you have these teams that dominate for a period, but then it all it ebbs and flows and it all goes in circles. It doesn't feel uh, the same with the Bledisloe Cup. So um, the whole enjoy it while it lasts thing. I just want to see Australia get better to make it more competitive, but that's just me. Uh, after 10 o'clock, going to talk, talk some tennis with uh, Simon Cambers uh, out of the Australian Open, uh, a very well-respected tennis writer, author, broadcaster, uh, who's on the ground in Melbourne. We're going to talk through uh, some of the matches and some of the stories going on around uh, the tennis uh, the tennis major number one of, uh, of 2024. Um, Coco Goff uh, winning last night, of course, won the ASB Classic. She's, uh, she's through to the next round after a win last night against a fellow American. Uh, Novak Djokovic you heard in the news there getting into it with a fan uh, I, I, I want to ask Simon as well when he goes to majors he follows all the majors around and all the tournaments with the players when he goes to these majors how generally is Novak Djokovic received by the crowd is he because he's a polarizing sort of figure is he generally you know heckled and booed and um, you know they're always going for the underdog or is he pretty well received and sometimes there's just a couple of outliers Simon's probably the best person to talk about that since he, he follows them all around uh, and then uh, after 10.30 uh, a little special uh, treat for you Luke Toomey good friend of mine who's a, uh, a Kiwi professional golfer he's also a coaching guru I'm going to call him he's going to come on after 10.30 and if you're a casual golfer like me out there or maybe you're getting a little bit serious you want to tune in for this because uh, we're basically getting Tooms on to give us some tips for summer right summer golf you're probably playing a little bit more and um, you're going out with mates and I particularly have noticed, noticed this with the group of friends that I I play with sometimes golf just gets to you 
you know, and you just, it gets you down and you have a couple of bad rounds. And I've got a friend who's actually just said, I've got to just not play golf for a month. I just need to get the mental health right. You know, it's supposedly good for your mental health golf, but I feel like it does sometimes more damage than it does good. Um, I'm going to get Tombs on to just talk to us about some summer tips, right? A few things you can do over summer to help improve your golf game, particularly with the mental stuff, you know, how can you, how should you approach each round and when you go out there with mates and what you should be working on and what you should be thinking about in your head. He might be able to give, I know we're not a video, you know, we're not in the video medium right now, but it'll give us a couple of tips um, with swing and that sort of thing and what, what most people are doing wrong. Um, so that's going to be an interesting chat with Luke Toomey after 10.30. So lots to come. Uh, your texts, of course, and your calls too. Uh, would love to get those. Um, Mark's already texted in saying, I don't even know what POK means, Mark, but he says, Sam, two hours of rugby league, stuff the union buffheads. <laughs> well, I'm mixing uh, league and rugby, Mark, after 10.30. But I like, like your thoughts, mate. Let me know who you think. Three NRL players, Australians, right now you think they could go into the Wallabies and make a difference because I've got a couple in my head. Um, and just another one that says from Chris, I don't know if you were over it, but the Australian Amateur Golf Champs, we have a Kiwi, Mitch Kale, eight under, two-shot lead going into the third round. Thanks for keeping me up to date, Chris. I will keep an eye on that throughout the morning. Might even ask Toombs about that because I know he, he keeps a track of all the um, the golfers, uh, the Kiwi golfers playing. And Mitch Kale, his name rings a bell. Now he, why do I know that? Was he... Did he win something la- late last year in Australia, potentially? His name seems familiar. Um, Chris, um, if you can give me some more info, that'd be great. Um, right, but we're going to talk some cricket. And just before we get to Neil Wagner, who I know is uh, about to jump on the phone very, very shortly, um, yesterday the Black Caps getting uh, the win over um, Pakistan and a very comprehensive win as well down at uh, Univ- University Oval down in Dunedin. Uh, and Phil Allen was the big standout Um with a record-breaking score, it is the highest uh, T20 score. Um, he surpassed uh, Brendan McCallum, um, who had the previous high of 122. And just as I say that, uh, my computer is just completely disappeared on me. So um, I did want to talk a little bit more about the facts and figures. I think it was 15 sixes yesterday or something, something ridiculous, something like 90, got 90 odd runs or something of sixes. Just incredible display from from Phil Allen, and um, the bowling was pretty good as well. Now. We know that there's a big, big uh, two series coming up against South Africa and Australia. Me personally, like I've talked about this, about you know, I talked about it on Monday with Sid McCoy about how much of a fan I am of Test cricket. That's sort of the big one. So me, these T20s are are almost you know sideshows, but um, it is good to see guys like uh, like Finn Allen, like Ben Sears, getting these opportunities and and now delivering, particularly uh, Finn Allen, who is now really cementing himself at the at the top of the order in T20s. And it took him a while to get going. There was a lot of um, doubters out there, and now people. Were, it's funny with cricket because. I mean, probably sport in general, but cricket, people ebb and flow so quickly. Like Devin Conway, there was a text yesterday saying, is there a serious concern about Devin Conway? We're talking about Devin Conway here, people. And it's like he has a couple of bad bad scores and all of a sudden, you know, do we have a problem with Devin Conway? Every cricketer goes through that. I feel like every cricketer, bar maybe like one or two generational people, go through those sort of highs and lows, don't they? It's more about the, the overall... You know, when you look at a calendar year, I guess how well they're performing. I still think Devin Conway is an absolute class act. But um, but anyway, we're going to talk uh, more cricket throughout the uh, throughout the morning. Uh, and you can text on double eight double three any thoughts you do have on the T20 yesterday afternoon. But uh, as I mentioned, Neil Wagner, who is returning to the Northern Brave to take on the Canterbury Kings this afternoon. It is a final uh, black clash. Uh, sorry, 
final Super Smash, final Super Smash uh, game of the regular season before they head into finals and playoffs. And Neil Wagner, of course, in line to return for the Black Caps Test team against those uh, opponents, South Africa and Australia. So uh, Neil Wagner, who I think we have uh, joining us on the line now, uh, Wags. Uh, good morning to you. Welcome in. Good morning. How are you doing? Very, very well, mate. First question right off the bat. Um, how's the body? How's everything holding up, mate? Your hamstrings, your backs, you got, you know, all sorts you've had to deal with over the last 12 months. How are you feeling, mate, in 2024? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, to be honest. Um, yeah, T20 cricket is a breeze uh, on the body compared to test cricket. So um, it's actually quite jealous of all the guys who play T20 cricket. It, it definitely feels a lot easier on the body. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been good. I obviously haven't had a, a long run out and, and, and bowl turnovers on a trot yet, but... Um, yeah, I've been working on the loads and, and trying to bowl more overs in, in the needs uh, during training and stuff just to keep those loads up and, and bits and pieces. But the body's feeling really good. And, uh, yeah, the hard work that I've put in over the winter sort of feels like it's paying dividends at the moment. So touch wood, it stays that way and, and continue to work hard and, and staying fit. But, yeah, no, it's definitely... Definitely tracking where I want to be and, and hopefully continue that way. Oh, mate, that's the thing about T20, isn't it? These, these guys are getting paid for half the hours, half the work. It's not as difficult. They're getting four times the money, mate. You're, you're specialising in the wrong format. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, yeah, no, but you also, I think they've got a couple of sore necks from every time you have to, I guess, been around having to look at the ball sailing over the boundary, <laughs> which you don't often get too much in test career, which makes it a little bit easier. But no, yeah. it's... Um, it's obviously quite nice to, and exciting to play play some T20 cricket, something that I really do enjoy playing and, and not always get, I guess, the opportunity to play that much when, when you're involved in test stuff. And, mm. and the last two seasons, it's, sort of, it's worked out quite nicely that I've been available for majority of it um, and being able to, to play play some games that hasn't fell into to the test window. And this year was a little bit, I guess, a bit of a um, yeah, mixed bag of playing and not playing, just with having our third child that was just born uh, a couple of days ago. So it's sort of, yeah, but a bit of time at home, so I didn't really do the, the far travel once just in case something happens. It's a little bit harder to get back in, in time from, from the South Island. So, um, so yeah, so, yeah, pretty exciting news on, on the family front. And, yeah. and the rest of it is sort of quite... Quite awesome to play play some Super Smash cricket. Oh mate, congrats on that! I had absolutely no idea, but yeah, congrats on the kid. That's always a, it adds a little bit more turbulence every time you add another one on. But uh, but congrats to you and the family. Um, just talk to me about how I guess you use T20 because you know everyone knows that you know Neil Wagner he he is our our Test mainstay and we don't see it in the uh, in the Black Caps for the T20s and, and often the one days. So when it comes to playing you know domestic T20 cricket. How do you sort of use it, I guess, to, to work on, on what you're potentially going to bring to the test team? I think it is quite nice. It's it's very relevant. I don't think the balls that I bowl in, in T20 cricket change too much from from what I do in test cricket. I think it, it, it creates, and I guess it's quite, like I said, refreshing um, uh, on your body and, and just mentally uh, playing a different format. It, it just brings that bit of excitement in, and I guess gets you really excited when you play test cricket again. I think it's... It's that, but also just being able to work on different skills. Like, I mean, over the years, playing a bit more T20 cricket, I developed a knuckleball um, that has come out of test cricket and, and had some success with that. And then, yeah, I, I bowled definitely less bounces, which is something that everyone sort of always just, I guess, remember you by. But um, that heavy length stuff and trying to swing the ball um, is stuff that definitely, I guess, helps and comes into to the test game that brings a bit of... I guess a strength in, into into different areas and, and working on, on I guess different um, I guess deliveries and things that you do to to be I guess a success. But always looking to to grow and, and improve your game and, and looking for something that um, that's sort of new and, and and can become I guess part of your armory that that can just make you I guess stronger in sort of ways. So mm. it's always exciting and like I said, refreshing to to do that too. 
We'll talk about the uh, the game against Canterbury uh, uh, today very, very shortly. But uh, just want to talk to you about the last, uh, I guess, 12 months where um, obviously you've dealt with a little bit of injury. Like you mentioned, you've been sort of in and out of things and, and um, you know, playing, not playing. I guess how difficult has that been for you? When we see you playing test cricket, you know, you've got so much energy, so much passion. We know how much, you know, it means to you to play uh, for New Zealand. Uh, talk us through, I guess, how, how difficult it has been over the last 12 months, just nursing through some of these injuries and, and perhaps not playing as much as you would have liked. Yeah, it is tough, um, but I think that's part and parcel of sport. I've been pretty lucky and fortunate with my body that I haven't had many injuries, so I haven't really had to deal with what I had to deal with this, I guess, winter. Um, but it gives you a nice, I guess, uh, a bit of an indicator of where you're at, um, what sort of areas in your body need some work and some strengthening um, to be able to keep delivering your job. And it was quite beneficial to be able to, to spend that time in the gym that you don't normally get because cricket is sort of becoming a, a all year sort of round. There's no more sort of, I guess, off-season to try and get your body up to shape. Um, you sort of have to do it as you play. And, and sometimes heavy workloads, it becomes quite hard to, to do, I guess, those running sessions or, or fitness sessions or specific sort of, I guess, weight, weight lifting sessions that, to try and, I guess, target some areas. And... I think injuries are the way, you know, to say to your body, hey, something is, is not right in this area and you've got to try and address it. Um, I was very lucky and, and, and I guess fortunate to have a pretty good support staff around me and, and helping me and pushing me over through the winter and, and that's definitely the tough graph, the, the, the stuff that people don't see behind the scenes, the hours and time that you put in. Um, you know, having to go, when it's pouring down the rain outside, having to go do a running session or or get in the gym and, and do a real hard, I guess, sort of, you know, lifting session to get yourself up to scratch to where you need to be. And it becomes a full-time job. It's literally not a Monday to Friday thing. It's a Monday to Sunday thing where mm. you're sort of literally um, trying to be in the gym, trying to be at Pilates, trying to be at the doctors and the physios to try and get everything right. And, um, yeah, like I said, I'm pretty lucky that, that it sort of actually, um, yeah, worked quite well in some areas to get stronger and, and a few bits and pieces that, that helps your game again. Um, like I said, mentally, um, it takes it takes quite a bit out of you, but the drive and, and the passion, like you mentioned before, is still there to to do those hard yards and, and to get myself um, ready for, for when required. So, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, would have loved to play a bit more cricket. Um, it's quite odd, I mean, you know, having test matches starting in February during our season because sort of November, December, you would have played some cricket by now, but it, it sort of feel like it's been a long year mm. um, and jumping at the bit to try and try and get, you know, stuck into it and get involved in some, some test cricket, hopefully soon. So, so that'd be great. Yeah, we're, we're all looking forward to seeing you back out there, mate, in two massive uh, series coming up in New Zealand as well. Um, just uh, this afternoon, playing uh, going up against Canterbury, final game uh, of the regular season, Super Smash, before we head into, uh, into, into sort of the playoffs and the finals. And you guys have developed a little bit of a rivalry here. Um, obviously, the last two finals have involved uh, uh, the two teams, and I know you've been involved uh, with those finals as well. Uh, is, is there sort of something brewing here between, uh, between ND and, and Canterbury? Yeah, it's always nice playing Canterbury. <laughs> it's, uh, it seems to be the team that everyone wants to beat. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, got some good friends in that team. And, and obviously, Peter Fulton, who's a coach, is someone I played a lot of cricket with um, and against. And, uh, yeah, it's always quite nice to get one up on. Uh, they've got a very good team. They're obviously a, a very proud, um, I guess, province and, and, and state in the way they go about their things. They've always been there, thereabouts. Um, and always, like you said, reaching finals and things like that. So, you always, when you know, when you come up against them, you come up for pretty good scrap and, and it's something we always love playing playing against them and, and yeah hopefully uh, it's been a tough season for us um, and that's T20 cricket sometimes you get a bit of a roll and, and momentum and things just those little half chances of things that just just sometimes just happen and, and stick your way um, just haven't happened for us and, and, and when you go searching and try a little bit too hard and, 
and trying to I guess force a result. It, it, sometimes it's quite it can be quite a, a hard and unforgiving game. So it's yeah, it's um, it's something that you know we had a good win in Wellington, and hopefully that's where we sort of turn around and we can create a bit of momentum and and play some good cricket. Um, and yeah, starting starting today will be either way just to, to keep doing what we keep believing in, in our processes and, and do it as well as we can. The two big teams coming to New Zealand, as I said, uh, very, very soon for some uh, very important series. One of them is South Africa. The other one, uh, we're going to be playing um, Australia. I mean, Wags, I know Test cricket excites you. It gets you fizzed up. But that's, I mean, two of the biggest teams in international cricket, um, South Africa and Australia. I know squads haven't quite been selected yet. We don't exactly know. But how excited would you be to, to be able to take those two teams on this summer? Yeah, definitely. Um, you always want to play. I mean, any test you play, regardless of who the opponents are, is, is always um, you know a huge honour and, and a massive privilege, and it's something that always excites you. But to play, like you said, I mean, South Africa and Australia, the rich history that they've got, um, and, and the you know the the quality of, of their players, that's that's where you want to test yourself against is, is against the best players in the world. And um, yeah, definitely. I mean, South Africa is, uh, is obviously a, a very important test series for us, starting up early and. Hopefully, we have the ground running, and we can. You know, it's been a while since we played some test cricket in Bangladesh, and hopefully, we can regroup as a as a team and 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 get stuck into it into our backyard where we know our conditions really well and play really well in, and have a pretty proud record. And hopefully, we can continue with that. And and obviously, Australia needs no mention. Um, obviously, in the top of their, their game at the moment, and um, yeah, amazing test team. Um, there's there's obviously um, no doubt why they. You know, world champions um, in the test arena, but that's where you want to test yourself against is against those guys. And, and I mean, I, I think it's the ultimate thing to win a test match against them. But if we can just play, you know, the way we've played and, and make Kiwis proud and, um, yeah, put our best foot forward and, and play some good cricket, um, you know, I think the rest will take care of itself. So hopefully, like I said, we can, we can finish uh, the season with uh, those two matches, I guess, this series uh, on a real good high. and. Um, yeah, play some exciting cricket and something for the fans to, to look forward to. Uh, Wags, I know that the kids um, have got you watching Paw Patrol uh, over the international cricket, but uh, are you are you a real sort of student of the game? Do you do you watch some of the other Test matches uh, going on overseas? Obviously, Australia uh, in action at the moment. Uh, you know, do you sort of sit down on the couch and, and study it up a little bit, or or do you find times a little bit uh, less frequent nowadays? Yeah, I'm, I'm the worst cricket watcher when it comes to when we're playing. Um, but yeah, when when I'm not playing, I'm sitting at home. The TV is sort of, if it's not on Paw Patrol for the kids, I sort of got the phone out. Um, which at the moment, because I'm talking to you, I can't actually watch it. But um, <laughs> yeah, normally normally watch a little bit on the phone. And uh, yeah, when the kids' TV time's over, then yeah, straight onto that. And um, and yeah, yeah, I guess follow up a little bit of of what the boys are doing and how they're going. It's always. Uh, not just as, as as a you know a part and I guess a player of New Zealand cricket. Also, I'm also a fan of New Zealand cricket, so it's it's always nice to to watch the boys and support them and see how they go. And, and sometimes, like since Australia playing now in the current series, it's quite nice to just I guess keep a little eye out and and you know it's for sort of part of scouting I guess in a way to be able to to watch what they do and how they go about things and it gives you a nice sort of I guess in depth. Um, I guess, view of what you can come across. So, um, yeah, uh, not overdo it, but, yeah, definitely watch uh, quite a bit of cricket. And, and like I said, try and learn um, as you go. You're always forever learning in this game and adapting and, and trying to, to get it, I guess. And, and um, yeah, a lot of it is by watching it. Mm.
Good man, Wags. Well, look, uh, good luck this afternoon uh, against Canterbury, uh, the final regular season Super Smash game. Uh, great to see you out there and uh, and looking forward to these upcoming test series. Well, hopefully you are uh, in those two squads and, and we can't wait to see you back out there, mate. So uh, thanks each for jumping on today. I'll let you get back to uh, to Sky and Marshall and the team at Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Very <laughs> kind. Here you go, Neil Wagner there, joining us ahead of the uh, well, the Super Smash, final Super Smash game this afternoon for uh, the regular season for the uh, Northern Brave and the Canterbury Kings, uh, but also um, the Test Series coming up as well, which, you know, should he be fit and healthy, you'd think uh, Neil Wagner's going to be selected for, and, and I imagine going up against his... Uh, is is home of of or his country of birth at South Africa will be uh, will be an added uh, motivation as well. A uh, few texts that have come in on double eight uh, double three and keep these coming throughout the show as well. Um, people I've asked for and we're going to open up the lines very very shortly. Uh, I've asked for three players, Australian players from the NRL that if you took them out and put them in the Wallabies right now, they'd make an instant impact. That's what I've been asking. And I've got three names. I'm not going to reveal them just yet. Um, I'm interested to see if anyone gets the three that I have. I'll tell you, there's one message in here that has the three that I uh, or has three that I uh, that I have so they're, they're going to be successful I'm not going to reveal it just yet uh, but a text in here from Mikey as well it says welcome back uh, Sammy I really enjoyed Finn Allen's innings yesterday some of those sixes were the biggest I've ever seen to the point I think the official carrying the replacement ball was starting to look a bit brassed off which was hilarious <laughs> yeah I saw them well they were they were quick on the trigger as well weren't they after the balls went missing in uh, in Hamilton um, but yeah Finn Allen who, uh, who like I said smashed that uh Hundred was it one hundred and thirty? Is one hundred and thirty-two? No, I'm getting my figures mixed up. It's one hundred and twenty-two from Brendan Cummins. One hundred and thirty-seven from Finale. Sixteen sixes, which is remarkable. I was just going through um, his record as well, his T20 record. So a one thirty-seven yesterday, seventy-four and thirty-four. Those were the other two scores against Pakistan. A thirty-eight against Bangladesh. A two, a one, a sixteen, and eighty-three. A three twenty-one, three eleven, thirty-five, three zero four. So it's fair to say over the last sort of. I don't know, 10 to 15 games, Finn Allen hasn't been at his absolute best. Uh, and this is what I was saying before. I felt like we were waiting for a big innings like that from Finn Allen, uh, that 137, because he's certainly, you know, he's got the power in him. Um, then I guess the biggest question is, you know, he, he is solidifying his spot at the top of that T20 order. Does he, does he come into the one-day conversation a bit more for you? Uh, his one-day scores certainly haven't been... Um, Anything to write home about? 28, 12, 9, 0, 51, 0, 0, 40, 25, 1 in his last 10 or so uh, ODIs. But is he is he worth a shot at the top of the order in ODIs just to see how he goes? Maybe that quick power hitting that we saw from Brendan McCullum to take some pressure off and then the guys in behind can, can uh, you know, they've got a bit more of a platform to set. Just quickly as well, someone texted and saying, can we get a quick update on um, the Aussie West Indies score from last night? Uh, of course, they're playing over in Adelaide. Uh, so we had day one yesterday. The West Indies all out for 188. Pretty poor showing from them and probably symptomatic of the demise of West Indian cricket at the moment. Uh, four wickets for Josh Hazelwood, four wickets for Pat Cummins, Nathan Lyon and Mitchell Stark, the other two. Uh, and then in response, Australia came out 59 for two. They were at stumps. Steve Smith, the opener experiment, didn't quite work in the, uh, first, um, in the first go. 12 runs. And Marcus uh, Labuschagne, he picked up 10 before getting out. So those are the two fallen wickets. Usman Khawaja on 30, Cameron Green on 6. So the Stephen Smith, I want to say it's a failed experiment because it's game one, but it's his first uh, game at the top of the order. We'll see how he tracks. Right, we're going to take a, a, a short break. When we do come back, you can give us a call, 0800 150 811. Three Australian NRL players that if you took them out and put them in the, the Wallabies right now, it would make an instant impact for the Wallabies. I want your thoughts, 0800 150 811. And bonus... 
and we might even have some sort of prize to give away. A bonus if you uh, can select the three that I'm thinking of. I'm not going to reveal it right away, uh, but bonus if you can pick those three. So 0800 150 811, we'll take your calls after this. And much more. The long days of summer are perfect for sport and we are here to bring you all the action. You're listening to Summer Days on SENZ. Twenty-five minutes away from ten o'clock. Uh, great to catch up with Neil Wagner. If you missed that chat, you can go check it out on our podcast channels. Coming up after ten, Simon Cambers to talk some tennis in the Aussie Open. Read a stat uh, this morning that forty percent of the people who go to the Australian Open don't watch a game. So just everything that goes on around um, Rod Laver—is it Rod? What's it called? Park? Rod Laver Arena? What's the park called? It's called like Tennis Park? Someone will text it in on double eight double three. I've had a mind blank, but forty uh, percent of people don't watch games. How about that? They were also thinking of um, that they're really going for the fan centric sort of mentality. Where I, I read that they're going to start delivering people's food to their seats in drones. I wonder what the players think of all that sort of stuff. Um, we'll ask Simon Cameras about that uh, coming up after 10 o'clock. But uh, the lines are open right now, 0800 We are talking three Australian NRL players. If you took them out right now and put them in the Wallabies, they make an instant impact. I've got three names in my head, but I want to get yours. Plenty have come through on double eight double three, but I want you to call 0800 so we can have a little natter about it. Let's go through uh, some of the texts while we wait. So Ryan says, uh, welcome back, Sam. Happy New Year. For me, it's Nathan Cleary, Cam Murray and Payne Haas could have serious upside for the Wallabies. Um, you'll, you'll notice a common theme, I think, in some of these messages. Ryan, uh, so those are your three. I will say, I don't want to give too much away. I'll say I've got at, at least one of the ones that you've selected. Uh, Damon says the hammer on the wing would be lethal. Ponga at 5'8", Tino or Haas at the back or the side of the scrum. Uh, Ponga though, someone else pointed out, you know, Ponga because of, you know, is he because he's played or born in New Zealand, whatever is he in New Zealand. I think Ponga's okay to say if you if you want to put him in the Wallabies, that's okay. We'll accept uh Caitlin Ponga. Chris says Reese Walsh, Cam Murray, Nathan Cleary would certainly make them stronger. That's from Chris Ken says, uh Makali Aravalawa, Angus Crichton, Tyson Frizzell. Of course he'd have Ravalawa in there. He wouldn't be bad, but would he he'd probably pay for Fiji, wouldn't he? Ravalawa? Angus Crichton, Tyson Frizzell. I could see Angus Crichton actually as a rugby union convert. I could actually see that. James says Nathan Cleary, Payne Haas, uh, Lindsay Collins, and Latrell. I know you said three but, three, but I threw an extra one in there. Why not, James? We could probably come up with the whole 15, couldn't we? And they probably would be better than the Wallabies. Uh, Staffy, he's texting. Uh, Payne Haas, Reese Walsh, Nathan Cleary. Strong three, Staff. That's a strong three. And then um, Jade says Payne Haas, Nathan Cleary, Cam Murray. So Nathan Cleary, certainly the... Um, the common thread amongst all of you so far. Uh, one quick text on the cricket. Great innings yesterday by Finn. That was insane. I reckon with one day as he needs to be in the team, but I wonder if he'd be better off at six coming in for the last 10 overs. Yeah, I take your point there. Like Jimmy Neesham sort of plays that role a little bit in one day, doesn't he, where he comes in late. But the, the, I think the thing with um, Jimmy Neesham is that he has the ability to carve out an innings or go for, or go for broke. Um, he has the ability to do both, and that depends on the game situation. If he comes in with ten overs to go, but a few wickets in hand, he can go for gold. If not, if he needs to, if he comes in earlier, then he's able to sort of um, put an innings together. And I'm not sure Finn Allen has that same ability yet. So 
whether or not he would replace someone like a Jimmy Neesham, not not entirely sure. But also, if you're starting to back that far down the order at six, then are you taking a spot away from a bowler? Um, not 100% sure. But um, but I agree that he, I think he probably should be in the team. They should find somewhere for him in that team, um, particularly with you know ageing players as well. At some point, um, we're going to have to start bringing in these young kids and, and saying goodbye to, to some of the older ones. Uh, Brian Rattity, the the ever-capable Brian Rattity on the tools on the mothership uh, yes. this morning, mate. And I know I gave this topic to you yesterday, yep. and uh, you've basically had, like, what's that, 20 hours plus to, to work At on least. it. Yeah, and you've been yep. doing a lot of research. Well, what, what, have you, what have you come up with? You know, so um, I'll just go with, actually, I chose four, but I'll go with the, the my first three. Okay. Two forwards. We'll go one by one. We'll talk through each one. Okay. Yep. Two forwards. Um, the first, cover six or eight, David Fafida. Okay. He would be lethal off the side or the back, and his defense would, uh, would, would break people, and he would bend the line every time he carried. Um. I, I I sort of wonder this with with the bigger um, the bigger boys from the NRL like would that translate to like to to flank like to six or seven like are they too big like is he too big for a, for a six or a seven well I, 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 I don't know, there's think probably so. no he's, rules here he's but too small for a prop and and union he right do, yeah he doesn't and, quite have and, it yet and to learn the technique to scrum at that level yeah, will probably yeah. take too long no I agree I don't think you can have anyone in the front but row but you remember um, the World Cup that they had in Aussie they had the big fat uh, back rower uh, David something I can't remember his, his name now but he looked out of place almost like Thomas Waldrum looked out of place on a rugby field okay. but could go you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. so I fully believe okay so David for either a six or an eight yep oh, nice I like it who's number two my second yeah. he's come through a lot and he would be same thing six or eight Payne Haas okay we all know why. The texters know why. The guy is just hard-nosed and will do exactly what Fafita does. They would back each other up. They could even, one could come off the bench for the other. Mm. All right, now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaving the forwards and I'm picking my playmaker. Everyone's going with Nathan Cleary. I think the ready-made guy right now uh, with age and experience, Dally Cherry Evans. Mm-hmm. His kicking game. Probably doesn't have long though, you know, like they, the Wallabies would get, what, two years out of him maybe? Yeah, two but, or three years? So, so you put him at halfback, mm-hmm. right? First hands on the ball at the ruck. You mean like as a, as a number nine? As a nine. Okay. First hands on the ball at the ruck. His short kicking game is so accurate. Okay. So accurate. You get a bigger boot in the back. You know, mm-hmm. one of your back three has a bigger boot yep. for the huge territory gains. But Dally Cherry Evans, like, he'll... He'll put it in a bin from thirty meters. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't mind that. Like, so when I thought about, so I'll fully disclose. One of my guys is Nathan Cleary, and when I thought about, you know, potentially a number ten, I thought about some of the best kickers in the game of of, of rugby league, and I thought Daly Cherry Evans probably does have a better kicking game than Nathan Cleary. What you also have to remember, though, is that with rugby league, they're often well, particularly close to the goal line, like they're kicking for repeat sets, they're putting little kicks and grubbers in behind. You basically don't do that in rugby union. You don't have the little kicks in behind when you're sort of 20 metres out, yeah, right? Yeah. You're talking bigger kicks, like you said, box kicks, you know, kicks for touch, etc. Um, and in that regard, probably um, DC has it on Nathan Cleary, who has sort of a much better, shorter kicking game. Um, and, and you know, the, the conversations there as well, that Nathan Cleary, you know, when you look at New South Wales, obviously he's done it with Penrith, but New South Wales, there's still that big question mark over, you know, can he do it for New South Wales? Whereas DCE has sort of proven yeah. that doesn't matter what the team is, he'll he'll stand up. Yeah. Only thing to you would be the disadvantage of that. He probably does only have like two or three le- years left for the Wallabies, if he was going to switch to the Wallabies. You're right, and he may has on the, the contract. 
<laughs> he may he may uh, he may say he's going and then uh, end up end up staying. Um, yeah, because well, who else would I mean? I, I, people are probably going to say if we're talking pure kicking, they're going to say Adam Reynolds. But you can't. I don't think you can have him. You might be able to have him as a number nine in, in rugby union. I don't think you can have him as a number ten because he's too small yep. defensively. Probably not strong enough. Yep. Um, and really, it's it's yeah. I guess his vision and his kicking are, are the two strengths. But whether or not that translates to rugby union, um, well, space is a different. Sean eh? Johnson, yeah, but see, Sean's probably like to, to what you just said there. The space is different. Um, you're, you're playing different balls to your mm. backs, etc. Interesting. Okay, so and that, uh, is that three? No, you gave yeah, it. It is three. So you got Haas, Fafida, and DCE. DCE. I like it. I like the three. I do, and I like you know talking through it and working out yep. why people have selected them. So uh, if you're texting on double eight double three, let us know why you're selecting them, and you can still give us a call 0800 What we'll do is we'll take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to give you my three, and uh, we'll see how they match up to uh, to what's coming on the text machine. Stay with us. Subscribe to SENZ's YouTube channel for more of the good stuff, the best opinions, the insightful analysis, live shows and more. Cricket, racing, tennis and much more. The long days of summer are perfect for sport and we are here to bring you all the action. You're listening to Summer Days on SENZ. Oh, that's a summer tune. Brian Ardity, who's bringing us those uh, those very dulcet tones? Uh, that, there is Pete Kuzma featuring Blau. Put that on your summer playlist, folks. How about that? Uh, ten minutes away from ten. After ten o'clock, going to talk some tennis with Simon Cambers, uh, very well-respected tennis journalist, author, broadcaster. Lots of texts that have come in on the temper bedpost text machine. Just have to mention temper real quickly because I got a temper pillow last year. Um, I've never been one. I've been quite picky with pillows and the fact that I like the sort of medium stiffness. I hate soft pillows and I hate really, really hard ones, but I like the sort of medium grit, you might say. Um, got given a temper one. I was sort of unsure because I was like, it, you know, you sink into it soft. It's going to hurt my neck and everything. Um, but man, I tell you what, I uh, it makes a massive difference having a nice pillow, folks makes a massive difference and you know look it's not a it's not a three thousand dollar mattress it's just a it's, it's a it's a much cheaper pillow uh, but it does help you sleep and uh it's a temper pillow so big shout out to temper and uh what they provide us here on ecnz right let's get to these texts uh, and then i will give you my three uh so chris uh said matt burton Payne Haas and Cam Murray. So he's throwing Matt Burton in there. Actually, somebody else, Daniel, says Matt Burton's big boot at 12 with a strong running game like when he was at Penrith. Uh, that's from Daniel. Uh, Mark says for... Um, Fafita's way, he said Fajita's, Fafita's way too lazy, way too lazy even for Union. I wish he'd get himself super fit and even more involved. He could be one of the best ever. Bit of a uh, a criticism of David Fafita is that, uh, and that's probably something I didn't mention to you before is that fitness. So, you know, how long would uh, would a David Fafita last in a Union game? Always a lot of debate about which is which requires more fitness. I always say rugby league because it's the shuttles, bro. It's the yeah, shuttles. you're going back and forth. But rugby union, um, but in rugby league, they're able to walk back on like on the opening sets on attack and stuff. So yeah. they have these sort of breathers. True. Whereas in rugby union, like if a if a back does a 50 meter break, you have to sprint to the breakdown. You have to be ready to go straight away, etc. But there are these big long gaps in rugby. So I'd say overall, I think league probably you have to be fitter. But um, I don't think it's too far off in the fact that most of these guys I think would last fitness wise. Um, 
Mark says, NRL players that make a difference, Nathan Cleary, Tino Fasua Malawi, and Payne Haas. Maybe. Cameron Murray, but I wouldn't want to weaken Souths at all. <laughs> That's from Mark. There was talk, wasn't there, Cameron Murray? Um going over to NRL. Uh, Mark Nwongani Tawasi is the Wallaby that's going to the NRL in 2025. He's going to the Sydney Roosters. So they might need to replace some of that speed. Um, and some people have said the hammer. So maybe maybe that's the replacement. My three, this is my three, right? So this is what I was thinking about the other day. And I thought if these three players right now went into the Wallabies, I think instantly they would make a big difference to that team. I'll start at the back. The number one, uh, well, the number 15, 15. but the number one, Reese Walsh. Like, I have been a bit of a Reese Walsh doubter, and people know that. Um, I think, you know, he makes a lot of errors. and Most in the um, NRL last year. Most in the NRL for the last two years, I think, and um, sometimes can get his team in trouble. However, last year, 2023, you can see what that guy is capable. It's scary how good that guy is. When he's when he's when he's on fire, yeah, um, he just splits defenses apart. He's unpredictable. He is to, for for sort of a comparison, a bit of a Damian McKenzie, right? Like he's fearless and he's unpredictable, and you don't quite know what he's going to do. And yep, he comes up with the odd stupid play here and there, but overall, he adds just this massive level of excitement. I think him in the number fifteen jersey for the Wallabies would instantly spark them and do something. Uh, Nathan Cleary, of course. I think I'm going to put him at the number ten. We we debated with DCE, Solid. but I think but I think Nathan Cleary um, got the kicking game. He's a great uh, manager. He's got a good um, he's got a good IQ um, for for what you know. I'm going to say for the game of rugby, but for what's in front of him, I think he could transition to rugby union. And there's one position that the Wallabies haven't got right in this whole twenty years. Um, since you know the Stephen Larkins when they were um, dominant in the bleeders low, they've lacked a number ten. They've lacked a good number ten, and I think the most of the playmakers end up playing rugby league. So Nathan Cleary, I think, makes a difference if he plays ten. And the other one, hands down, head above the rest. I know there's been a lot of names mentioned here, but Payne Haas is an absolute. Yeah beast this man is a unit he can play 70 minutes of a rugby league match so he can play a full 80 in rugby in rugby union put him in number eight put him at the back of the scrum the guy will devastate with his running he's a massive individual to to, to either run at or have run at you um and you know he he's a workhorse he's an absolute workhorse constantly making the most tackles per game for the broncos constantly making the most run meters those three, you cannot tell me that if Reese Walsh, Nathan Cleary and Payne Haas weren't playing for the Wallabies this year, that that wouldn't make a big impact on that Wallabies team, maybe make them a little bit more competitive. Cricket, racing, tennis and much more. The long days of summer are perfect for sport and we are here to bring you all the action. You're listening to Summer Days on SENZ. Coming up to 10 o'clock, we're going to have news very, very shortly after 10. Simon Cambers to talk uh, the Aussie Open out of Melbourne. Uh, look, a couple of big names have fallen, uh, particularly on Jabir, the sixth seed on the women's side, uh, ousted by 16-year-old Rus- uh, Russian sensation Mira Andreeva. So... Um, on Jabur, her uh, Australian Open, and she she that's the second second round exit in as many Australian Opens for uh, for On Jabur. Uh, Novak Djokovic with a win overnight with a little bit of controversy. Carlos Alcaraz playing this afternoon. Coco Goff she got a win last night, of course, after winning the ASB Classic. Uh, lots of uh, things to get through with Simon Cambers, and after ten thirty, going to talk some golf, some golfing tips for your summer with uh, golfing professional Luke Toomey. So stay with us after news sport and weather up at ten o'clock. 
cricket, racing, tennis and much more. The long days of summer are perfect for sport and we are here to bring you all the action. You're listening to Summer Days on SENZ. shame because it's got such a good like intro but it's about two minutes long i don't want to make you have to listen to that actually no let's let's have a little listen to it come on bit of dave matthews for you thursday i think i told this story about watching them in uh, connecticut dave matthews band there's like 30 people on the stage it's like four violins three trumpets saxophones guitars keyboards two sets of drums uh a, a true concert and he's a, he's a bit of a uh, freak musician, Dave Matthews, South African-born. He's done some films as well, Just Go With It, with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Amson, one of my favourite comedies of all time, by the way. It's on Netflix. Go and check it out. Very funny. Dave Matthews is in that. He's uh, Nicole Kidman's husband in, in, the, uh, in the movie. Anyway, back to some sport, eh? Uh, very shortly, Simon Cambers uh, out of Melbourne to talk the Aussie Open. Um, we're going to talk some golf uh, later on with Luke Toomes. Should have said this as well. Double eight, double three. Uh, what I'm going to be asking Luke Toomey is uh, he he does golf coaching as well as being a professional golfer. He's a very, very good golf coach, by the way. If you can go check out um, Toomes Golf, T-O-O-M-S Golf on Instagram. Lots of good videos and stuff that he posts uh, to help your game out. If you want to text a question through on double eight, double three, maybe there's something you're struggling with with your game. Maybe it's a mental thing, um, you know, or, or you're looking for a quick fix. Double eight, double three, and I'll put it to Toomes, right? I'm keen to ask him... Uh, particularly for, for people that look if you're a low handicapper you probably don't need a lot of help but if you're sort of from the maybe I don't know 10 through to 30 uh, plus then uh, you know maybe there's some mental tips or just some helpful tips now that we're into summer um, you know the, the ground's a little bit harder how you should change your game with that but also just the mental thing like I know for me personally um, I, had to, I have to really set my expectations when I go into a round you know sometimes you go in thinking that you should be hitting every single ball clean flush hitting the green hitting the fairway every single time which you all know is unrealistic and it affects you if that's how you're going into it it affects how you then play because you get down and then you you know you get in your own head and all that sort of stuff so little mental tips from tombs to, to help you with your with your summer golf game but if you want to ask him anything double eight double three text through uh, on the timber bedpost text machine and uh we'll we'll put those to uh to tombs when he comes on just a quick text here that says um well, questioning the league converts impact. Benji, RTS both struggled. Bit more of a challenge to adapt than we think. Sevens to fifteens and vice versa. Similar problems. Um, yeah, no, and I hundred percent get your point. And I'm not, I'm not saying foolproof that these guys would go in and become absolute stars. I'm just saying I think they would make an impact given certain positional deficiencies in the Wallabies. But I do also think that um, it's very different. Maybe, maybe Nathan would be the one. That has the most to do. I think Reese playing in the number 15 jersey, uh, bearing in mind that Roger didn't play fullback, he played centre when he did play fullback in rugby league. He was playing wing and, and centre, so a little bit different for Roger. Um, but I think Reese would, would, would thrive in a number 15 jersey. And I think Payne Haas in a number eight, I think also too, he'd be able to 
make that translate. It's probably Nathan who's got the biggest uh, biggest learning curve. Anyway, we're going to talk some tennis um, because the Aussie Open is in full swing, and I know everyone had an absolute blast uh, following the ASB Classic. Uh, and joining us now out of Melbourne, Simon Campbell. He's a uh, very well-respected tennis journalist, author, and broadcaster. We have him on the line with us now. Uh, morning to you, Simon. A very good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. Now, uh, I, I sort of jinxed it yesterday when I messaged you and I said, oh, the weather's probably a lot better over there than it is here, but I understand there was a bit <laughs> of rain about. I know you come down from the, you know, you come down from up north, you're probably expecting to, the, to come down to the uh, to the Australian sun, but uh, not not to be yesterday. I know, it's not what we paid for, it's not what we expected. <laughs> it was uh, it was hammering down yesterday morning, but it, it cleared by about two, and, and luckily, of course, they have three covered courts, so it doesn't make too much of a difference. No, not at all. Um, let's start uh, with uh, Coco Goff. Win last night against uh, fellow American Carolina at Dolhide 7662, and I'm sure you can appreciate um, the interest for the Kiwis in, in Coco Goff, who was just recently at the ASB Classic winning it as well. Uh, but the Australian Open not being too kind uh, to Coco Goff over the years. She's only ever made it to the fourth round. How do you feel her game is looking in, in 2024? Well, I think she's a very different player these days than she was in, you know, it's ridiculous to say about somebody so young than than she was when she first came along. Um, she is a US Open champion. She's a Grand Slam champion. Her game has improved so much in the last couple of years, especially the last year under the tutelage of Brad Gilbert, the uh, famous coach who helped Andre Agassi and Andy Roddick to number one and stuff. So I think she's full of confidence. You saw that in New Zealand. Um she is. She weathered a storm yesterday in a slightly difficult, awkward match against Caroline Dollarhide, but she's um, she's one to beat. She's she's really got a live chance of winning this thing. I want to talk to you about um, a player that's perhaps not on everyone's radar, but it's a story that I read uh, this morning about um, Storm Hunter, the Australian tennis player who's uh, number one in the doubles uh, in the women's doubles, but making strides in the singles game over the last uh, couple of years now through to the third round. Um, is it fair to say that's quite? unique I often I feel singles players go to doubles and and you know succeed there but not often do you sort of get someone who has been more specialized in doubles going to singles and, and making a fist of it is that somewhat unique it doesn't happen often but it it has happened and, and interestingly if you think about Sam Stosa um who obviously was one of Australia's best ever uh, female players won the US Open in 2011 she actually started out as a sort of doubles player and focused more on that in her couple, first couple of years and then realised that she had the aptitude to play singles and became uh, a top, top player. So it is unusual, but Storm, Storm Hunter, it, what it does is it brings different attributes to the game. So she's really sharp at the net. She, her returns are really good. Mm. And you know it's about confidence. Once you get that, once you get going in singles, you can you can do it as well. The Australians, um, you know, they, they and this is a, a slight dig coming from us Kiwis across the ditch, uh, <laughs> Simon. But the Australians obviously love to pump up the, the, all the players of theirs that are playing. Uh, you know, whenever they're on court, and uh, we saw that last night with uh, with Novak yeah. Djokovic. But um, on the women's side, is there is there an Australian that stands out that you think might be able to just maybe not win it all, but but go a little bit deeper? Well, not really. I mean, they, they've got a good bunch of young players um, coming through, um, but there's not really one that stands out. It's not like, you know, you have a Coco Goff who, who looks very capable and has shown that she's capable of winning a Grand Slam. So I think they're all pushing each other, but it's, it's, it's more likely that one will make it to like third round or fourth round. And, and that's, a, that's a good showing. If anyone gets further than that, I think that'll be, they'll be very impressed. 
Mm. Uh, just before we leave the women's, uh, a couple of big names have gone out. At least Mertens, Caroline Garcia, both uh, both losing the big one. The six seed Ons Jabur, uh, knocked out by mm. 16 year old Russian sensation Mira Andreeva. It's the second uh, round to exit in as many Aussie Opens for Jabur and Andreeva, proving uh, in a very short time that she's uh, she's a pretty legitimate talent. Our first top 10 win, already up to number f- uh, 35. In the uh, in the live world rankings, and of course, she won the uh, the Australian Open Junior Girls title and made uh, the fourth round of Wimbledon in the seniors last year. How how impressive, how special is uh, is Amira Andreeva? Yeah, she's very good. Uh, I mean, think you know, some some of these young players they look good. They're a little bit of a flash in the pan. They have a big moment, and then that's it. Mm. But she looks like the real deal, as you said. She actually lost in the final of the juniors last year to um, another Russian girl, Korneva, in a match that went on for hours, three hours on Rod Laver Arena. So she was really pleased yesterday to get a win. She was great against Jabot. Jabot was definitely off colour. There was She was not her usual self. But that takes nothing away from Andreeva. She's a young, breath of fresh air. She charms a press room when she's talking to you. She, she sort of, you know, she really, um, I don't know, she's got a great personality. She is a f- fantastic player playing with no fear. I think that's what Caroline Wozniacki said about her yesterday. I think you'll see her go very high very soon but she's also got a really good head on her shoulders she's not she said i don't think i've achieved anything amazing yet Mm. and and that's you know that's a really good thing to hear from somebody so young she's based in france she's got a real sort of international character to her so she yeah she's got everything in her favor yeah and and remarkable just 16 years of age um the woman's side uh look Iga schwartek i don't know is is this the one simon she's she's only ever made the semi-finals at the aussie open is is this the one that you think she'll uh she'll be able to, to break the back as the number one seed well, I think she's favourite, but she's also slightly vulnerable on in these conditions and on these courts and stuff. And in a, in a place that she hasn't yet won, she doesn't necessarily feel as comfortable as she does at Roland Garros, of course, where she's won three times mm. and she's won the US Open. Um, but there's no reason why she can't win. And, you know, the the, the big threats are Sabalenko, who won last year, Rebecca, who uh, was runner-up last year, former Wimbledon champion, and Goff. But, you know, the, the deeper Shiantek goes, the obviously, the more her confidence is going to rise. She's playing well enough. She is the number one. She is the best player in the world. So it's, it, it's probably a matter of time before she wins here. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know one of my favourite majors, the Aussie Open, particularly for the women's side, because it is just so open and you just see so many yeah. uh, new names that, that seem to come to the fore when it gets to the business end. Um, over to the men's side, uh, we'll start with the big one uh, last night. Novak Djokovic, uh, obviously a 10-time Aussie Open win. I think I read uh, a quote the other day from him saying the only person that can beat him is him. Uh, and <laughs> I see uh, Stefano Tsitsipas jokingly saying uh, he's selfish for not letting anyone else uh, win any Aussie Open titles. But in action <laughs> last night against uh, Alexi Popran, who's, who's an Australian tennis player, and as you can imagine, and the home crowd very much on Popper and side, and things getting a little bit chippy between uh, Novak and a, and a fan. Yeah, I mean, he, he sort of he, he's he's not he's not quite himself here at the moment. He's he's maybe a little bit under the weather. Um, he said he'd been having a sort of cold or whatever for four or five days before before starting. So I think you know he he he's not as relaxed as he might be, and that re- that sort of translates itself into actions on court when he shouts at fans and and gets involved in difficult situations. I mean, last night he was. Uh, he had three, four set points to go two sets to one down. He mm. was uh, love 40 down at four five in the, in the third. So he was right on the edge. Uh, and that's when sometimes uh, his, ten- his temper can spill over. But he got through it, as he so often does. And that's the, that's the thing. 
he he's obviously such a well not such but he, but he can be a bit of a polarizing figure Novak you go around uh, you go around the world following um, the players at various tournaments Simon in general how how is he uh, often received by home crowds is it a little bit more difficult for him than other players because of that polarizing nature or is he pretty sort of universally appreciated it's just every now and then you know a couple of fans get out of line I think he's universally appreciated it's just that when it's when it's a home player especially um, uh, or, or somebody who's a, a crowd favourite against mm. him, then you know, then he sort of feels he sort of takes umbrage against that sometimes. But he also uses it as fuel to the fire. Um, you know, you're right that he is a polar polarising character in many ways. Um, but and he's perhaps not as universally loved as as a couple of other players in, in the, on the tour or who were on the tour. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, he I think he uses it. He likes you know you've you've heard him talk before about saying, oh, I, I just I like to say that they're cheering for me, and then that, that makes me that makes me play better. But some, somehow he gets through these matches. Yeah, absolutely. Well, most of the big names still involved on the men's side as well. Carlos Alcaraz in action today. Uh, how, how do you think the men's draw is, is shaping up? Is it is it as simple as a as a Alcaraz Djokovic final? It's not as simple as that because you've got some other pretty red hot players in there. Especially, I would th- I would say Yannick Sinner, the Italian, is the, is the one who's most likely to stop that happening. He's in Djokovic's half. I think they would play in the semi-finals. Um, you've got Medvedev, who's always a threat here. Um, you've got Sitsipas, you've got Holger Rune, you've got Kasper Ruud, who's actually looking good. The Norwegian, who mm. um, he, he revealed that he'd, he'd been, he trained too hard, he put on too much muscle this time last year, and it took him a while to sort of get rid of that and get back into the sort of tennis that he he normally plays. So I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if he does well too. But I mean, it does look Djokovic. Djokovic looks vulnerable. Mm. He looks more vulnerable this year than he has in in previous, outside of when he's had injuries. So there is an opportunity for someone to to, to take the title. Before uh, before we before we let you go, Simon, um, I want to talk about the Aussie Open um, just as a, an event as a whole. I read this morning that forty percent of visitors to the Aussie Open don't actually watch a game; they uh, they go to enjoy <laughs> they go to enjoy the you know the experience and the whole area that that uh, in and around that tennis complex in Melbourne. Can you give us a sense of what it's like on the ground there, and perhaps how it differs to some of the other majors? Well, it's really changed uh, in the last five years or so really they really made a massive effort to make it an event mm. you know a bit like a big racing day or what, something like that um it is if you come inside there are numerous places to just sit and have a beer or nice, something nice to eat uh, places to relax that you and there's big there are big screens everywhere so you don't have to actually go on court to watch a match and i i i also read i think that people are dressing up more than they used to which is quite interesting. Yeah, I mean they've made it an event. It, it Wimbledon is it, Wimbledon is uh, also a sort of, you know, Wimbledon is a uh, is more about the tennis, but it's also a place to be seen. Yeah, and and to go to, um, it's not as big a sprawling uh, venue as, as as the Aussie Open is now. Uh, French Open is very uh, sh- small but very chic. Um, really beautifully done, and the U.S. Open is like a riot. It's like <laughs> a, a concrete jungle, but noisy yeah. as hell, and uh, you know people are drinking and yeah. eating all over. So it, it gets a bit rowdy there too. But it's yeah, it's definitely um, they they all have their unique characteristics, and it's it's fascinating to see. Yeah, and I read um, the, obviously they made the change to allow spectators take their seats between each game rather than you know during the ends. Yeah. Um, I also saw that they're they're talking about in the future your food getting delivered via a drone. Uh, so you don't even have to get out of your seat, Simon. This is what this is what tennis at the Aussie Open is coming to. But how how does that sort of affect, I guess, uh, like the players? What's the sense from them? You know, would they rather just sort of focus on the tennis, or do they really sort of get in behind that that event and sort of, I guess, festival type vibe? It, it varies a bit uh, from player to player. But to be honest, I don't think they like 
the fact that people can mill around uh during the like after a game instead of after a changeover mm. except they don't mind it on the side of the courts because that's not in their eye line but when it's right behind the server's arm that's that's the difficult that's a difficulty because they're so used to trying to judge and track the ball and and that is vital to returning a serve etc so i think it's it's something they'd have to get used to it's not been too bad um and if you think about it on the outside courts there's much more movement around them anyway yeah so i i think it's something that the top players will have to take a little bit more time to get used to i can't imagine a drone delivering food working <laughs> that sounds like oh. somebody came up with that in a room somewhere and, and everyone oh yeah why not yeah and it only takes one rogue drone to uh, to ruin exactly, it all as well. yeah and what, what have you got to look forward to uh, this afternoon so what are you what are you hitting along to and covering uh, well i mean we're sort of you know as usual with these things you're across as much of it as you can um but uh, looking forward to seeing alcaraz today see see how he gets on um i think he needs to he hasn't played he didn't play a tournament before this this uh, australian open so he's a little bit rusty mm. um but he needs to hit the ground running looking forward to seeing him Always a joy to watch him play. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Uh, Simon, really appreciate you coming on as always, uh, my friend. Hopefully the weather uh, turns around a little bit today in Melbourne and you enjoy a little (laughs) bit of that sun, my friend. Thanks heaps for coming on. No, I can't complain. Thanks very much. (laughs) There you go. Simon Campbell's out of Melbourne uh, talking through some of the Aussie Open fixtures that uh, took place overnight uh, as well as the ones that are coming up today. Yeah, interesting. Food delivered via drone at the tennis. It doesn't seem like a very tennis thing, does it? You imagine what the people at Wimbledon are thinking about that, probably turning around in their traditional graves. Uh, a few texts that have come in here on double eight double three. Um, I did ask you to text in some questions for uh, Luke Toomey, who's coming on just after 10.30, any tips, tricks uh, that you want for your summer golf game. Um, and there's been a couple that have come in. So uh, if, you, if you're if you struggling with something and you just want to ask, like this is a golfing professional, uh, it's basically a free les- lesson, folks. I know you're not getting the, the visuals and everything, but you're getting a, basically a free lesson. So double eight double three, if you want to text that in. And I'll just finish with this one from Mark that says uh, Sam let me start by saying I'm in no way a Warriors hater but when this year's NRL draw came out I was a bit taken back this is the second year in a row the Warriors have been given a draw on let's say the easier side of things only playing the likes of the Broncos Storm Souths and Panthers one time like last year I think it's the NRL paying them back for their struggles during COVID as I tell my friends who support them either way no one can deny the last two years they've had it easier than the most than most the only team with the easier draw is the Sharks and I know there is no there is no easy games of the NRL but there are some that's from Mark um couple ways to look at that. Firstly, I don't disagree with you, Mark, that um, if you look at last year and this year for the Warriors, the draw has been somewhat favourable compared to others. It advantages us that we do only play those top teams um, you know, once. At the same time, it does disadvantage you in the fact that I think we saw last year, once we got to the first round of the finals when we played Penrith, it showed that we hadn't played a team like that in the last... The last 10 weeks were all against sides outside the top eight. So it showed when we got to Penrith that we just hadn't played that that level, that quality of football. So I actually think in a way, while some people look at it as an advantage in terms of getting to the the top eight or getting to a position on the ladder, it's certainly a disadvantage when it comes to not playing the good teams. And I think that's the advantage often of Penrith is that they always are playing the top teams. So they're always being challenged and always getting better. but at the same time, you say that you know the, the NRL is doing them a favour because of COVID. Yeah, that might be the case. But at the same time, the Warriors do naturally have it harder than almost any other team. Okay, yep, there are teams that do travel. Um, but the Warriors every single year have the biggest travel uh, mileage of any team, and it's by usually a country mile. Not only that, but you know the families are based back in Auckland, so every time they go for an away trip or, or an away stint of games, 
you know, the families, they're away from their families and that whereas most of those, particularly the Sydney teams, right, you're all in the same city anyway. So you're not really away from your family. You don't have to travel as much. You know, when you go up to Townsville from Auckland, it's, it's a two-flight trip and, um, you know, conditions and that sort of stuff. So I, th- I feel like it sort of balances out, Mark. I, I'm not going to say that it's not an easier draw than some because I think it is, but I just think when you take other factors into an account, it sort of does level out a little bit. And like you think of Brisbane, yep, they might play a lot of the top teams, but they also get a a lot of home games, particularly with, you know, when you throw in the Madrid ground and you throw in, you know, playing the Dolphins now who are playing at Suncorp, you know, it, I feel like most of that stuff balances out. Could be wrong, but that's just how I see it. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, I'll give you your Bailey's property of the week. We'll also get Luke Toomey on the line as well, talk a little bit of golf as, uh, as we're at the height of summer, and I'm sure a lot of you out there uh, are getting your rounds in. So uh, stay with us here on SENZ. We'll be back in a moment. Cricket, racing, tennis and much more. The long days of summer are perfect for sport and we are here to bring you all the action. You're listening to Summer Days on SENZ. (laughs) Bring it in. Is this Jamiroquai? Yeah. That's an iconic voice. 28 minutes past 10 here on ECNZ. Text coming through on double eight double three. People asking for some tips from Coach Toombs, who's going to come on very, very shortly. Um, Brian wants to know how to hit his uh, hybrid rescue club. Funnily enough, Brian, that's about the only club in my bag that I feel confident with. In fact, I've stopped hitting uh, the driver and I've started using the hybrid off the tee, which I know is sort of sacrilege, but if I can hit the hybrid 200 metres and I can only hit my drive 220, I'll take the 20 metre you know, loss for consistency's sake, as well as hitting it straight. But I will ask uh, Coach Toomes how, what he thinks about how do you hit your hybrid, because I'm probably doing it wrong, wrong regardless. Um, property of the week, thanks to Bailey's. Big shout out to Bailey's. We've got 382 Old Taitapu Road. Where's Taitapu? Do you know, Brian? I will find out. Taitapu. Someone will tell me where it is. Christchurch? Is it around Christchurch? I feel like it might be around Christchurch. Um, anyway, 382 Old Taitapu Road, nestled in the car, coveted confines of Taitapu, the impeccably re-envisioned homestead fuses the finest amenities with the picturesque beauty of English-style gardens to achieve quintessential lifestyle luxury. Tell you what, I've, I've chucked it into Google and I've clicked on it and it, it would almost be up there with my dream house. And I know staff's listening. Um, it has everything. It has space for the nine-hole uh, golf course out the back. It probably has a bit more space for the orchard uh, to grow the apples and make the cidery. Um, the person who owns the house now obviously mows the whole thing, so it looks immaculate, beautiful lawns, uh, or probably pay someone to do it. It's got a pool. It's got a tennis court, and it has about a thousand rooms. Bought to the market by Chris Jones and Sam Sidley of Bailey's Christchurch. There you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, Five hundred and thirty-nine square meter brick residence. It's evolved uh, with the introduction of uh, upgrades, a new kitchen, bathrooms, decor, lining fixtures. It's got contemporary elegance. Contemporary elegance. Uh, The expansive layout unfolds into an array of exquisitely detailed living and entertainment spaces on the ground, including a highly specified kitchen. Butler's pantry, the dining room, has an accompanying wine cellar. How about that? Outdoor transitions, they've been optimised, so all three ground floor living areas are opening to patios. Uh, A substantial area occupies an additional top floor wing, providing the ideal retreat if you want to get away from the kids. Uh, Five bedrooms, a family bathroom, two en suites, and a guest powder room. Uh, The master bedroom, privileged with a top floor location, features a shared balcony, spacious walk-in wardrobe, and an en suite. 
and the adjacent study offers versatility with the potential to convert it into a sixth bathroom, a bedroom, sorry. Uh, practical features include a four-car garage, along with extensive storage, superior climate control, comprehensive security, premier flooring, and technological convenience. 4.27 hectares, so it's uh, it's decent. It's got a little tranquil s- stream attached as well. You want to do a little garden path down to the stream. Um, an AstroTurf tennis court, like, like I mentioned. There's a bit of sanctuaries. It has everything, folks. Uh, so here is the ticket, baileys.co.nz forward slash 5522866 baileys.co.nz forward slash 5522866. That is what you punch into your Google search bar. The property will come up where you go. One more thing, Sammy. Yes, sir. One more thing. There is also a golf course on that road just up the road. (sighs) It is your dream home. It's just in the wrong city. I'm looking to sell at the moment. I wonder how much it's going to cost me to... uh, to get that people have texted and saying it's in Christchurch uh, and someone said hit your hybrid like a nine with low point in front of the ball yeah that's that's what I've sort of learned try to angle the club forward just a little bit so that when you come down you are just a little bit in front of it um, but anyway we'll get uh, we'll get terms on very very shortly and uh, and have a chat to him so uh, if you want any more questions uh, double eight double three tell you what we'll do uh, we'll take a break and uh, we'll come back with Tombs and all your questions. That gives you a little bit more time to get them in. I've got a couple here myself. Uh, we'll have a li- well, about you know, 10 or 15 minutes with them. It's got plenty of time. Uh, give us a text on double eight double three. We'll back with uh, Luke Toomey after this. Tennis and much more. The long days of summer are perfect for sport, and we are here to bring you all the action. You're listening to Summer Days on SENZ. Two minutes away from 11 o'clock here. At 11, we're handing over to uh, Australia for the um, Australia v West Indies Test Day 2 from Adelaide. Coming at you from 11am here on SNZ. But we're talking golf, and uh, I've got lots of questions that have come through here on Double Eight Double Three uh, because when I mention this man's name, uh, boy, it just lit up, absolutely lit up. Luke Toomey, he's a uh, he's a golfing professional here in New Zealand. He's one of the best coaches going around as well. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. Uh, but he joins us from his palatial estate in uh, in Te Puki. G'day, Luke. G'day, mate. Thanks for having me on the show. What an introduction that was. Very, yeah. very kind words. What's uh, what's the weather like out in uh, Tapuki at the moment, mate? I know you've been basically out there every single morning and night playing golf. How, how's your summer been? It's been unbelievable, mate. It felt like we were cheated out of the summer last year, and uh, we get to see a bit more of the sun this year. Seems like the rain that does come comes overnight, greens up the course for us, so we're oh. just prime down here in T-Pooks, mate. Yeah, it's a, it's a golfer's dream, mate. So I mentioned that uh, we were going to get you on, and, and lots of texts have come in here on double eight double three, which I'll get to very, very shortly. Um, wanted to sort of ask you, we're, we're in the middle of summer at the moment, and look, golf seems to just be exploding. Like all of my mates are starting to pick up golf. It seems like it's going through a bit of an explosion at the moment, and uh, we're all starting in the same place, which is generally pretty 
pretty bad. And I know a lot of people out there who listen, uh, who listen, are, are sort of in that. I guess you call them a high handicapper type range, uh, tombs. And and you're doing a lot of coaching yourself, so you probably see a lot of us uh, come through your come through your doors. When when those sorts of people uh, first pick up the game, or maybe they're right at the beginning, and you maybe take them out on the course or you get them at the range. What's a couple of sort of common themes from a like mental point of view and an overview point of view? A couple of common things that you often have to tell people when they're first sort of picking up golf or maybe they're right at the start of the journey? Well, I think the first thing is is that the golf course can be an intimidating place. Uh, I sort of liken it to me being on the ski field, really, sort of um, a wobbly tombs up Happy Valley. And, <laughs> you know, you've got seven-year-old kids racing past you and the golf course can be very similar. You know, guys standing on the practice green uh, watching your tee off the first can be a pretty nerve-wracking thing. So the first thing I'd say is just dive in the deep end and get stuck in. Nobody cares. It's like being in the gym. Everyone's there for themselves to just have a bit of a good time, a bit of a blowout, and the golf course is, is similar in that way. So just get out there and get stuck in. The second thing I would say is make it fun. So, I mean, the best example you've just given there is get out with mates that are similar ability, you know. If you're going to suck, at least suck together. Make <laughs> fun of each other. Make it fun. Make it friendly competition. Um, see who can get their handicap down the fastest. If it means coming to see uh, your boy Tombs for a lesson or two to get ahead of your mate, then do that as well. (laughs) Who knows? But, (laughs) um, um, yeah, I would say make it fun. um, Get out there. And I would also say just play nine. No need to get, you know, stuck into 18 holes and and die out in the heat for four and a half, five hours. Play nine holes, make it short, make it quick, have a beer after, and then uh, um, get cracking into the next one. So, I mean, golf's such a tough game, Tombs. Like, I mean, fuck, I don't need to tell you that. But I think for most people, it's like you start out and you're fizzed and you go out and you're playing and you know you're bad and, and you're not probably expecting too much. Then it sort of gets to a point, maybe you get a couple of lessons and then it gets to a point, maybe sort of six months to a year, where you, that frustration starts to set in, where you feel like you're not getting as good as you, as quickly as you want to be or maybe you go forward and you take two steps back. And uh, Talk to us about like the expectations that, you know, when you when you're, not when you're not a scratch golfer, when you're not maybe in the single digits as a handicapper, some of those expectations and how they can sort of influence your game. Yeah, that's a great point you make, mate. Um, naturally, with anything, with, with any skill, whether it's golf or uh, whether it's at the gym or whether it's tennis or whatever, it's really easy to progress in the first couple of months, which is probably what you know keeps you coming back. You see yourself getting better at, and the uh, ball's going higher, further, scores are getting lower. Um, but naturally... Um, everyone sort of reaches that plateau and that plateau comes at any level so it doesn't matter whether you're a beginner or you're at my level or you're at Tiger's level naturally there's that progression and then there's a frustration in the plateau and then you break through that plateau to get to the next uh, sort of progression so it's simply about just being patient really Um, sticking to what your coaches um, have told you up until that point to stay committed not to veer from the beaten track because it's it can be easy to go looking for the silver bullet to mm. find the answer, but I would say stay committed to the plan. Um, crack on with whatever it is that you are working on because um, at least from there, whether it's the right information or not, it will create consistency. And if you've got consistency, you've got re- reliability on the golf course. And if you know, if your golf ball is reliable and you roughly know how it's going to fly every time, it's pretty easy to play with that. Mm. You can text some double eight double three if you've got any questions for for Luke Toomey, who's on the line with us now. Um, in terms of uh, lowering, you know, lowering the handicap if you're if you're a high handicapper, Tooms, where where do most players make the most improvement? 
Um, first of all, I'll say that time of year is a big thing um, and can throw people off. You know, so many people come to me, you know, oh, you know, from December through to April, was playing amazing, you know, scores were coming down. Well, of course you were. It was like 10 degrees hotter. There was less wind. The ground was firmer, so the ball was going further. If, you go, if, you, if you're hitting the ball further, it's closer to the hole. And if the ball's closer to the hole, you're probably going to have less shots. So the weather plays a huge part in that. Just because the weather changes, it's like people ignore that fact and they think that they should shoot the same scores in winter as they mm. should in the summer. Absolutely not true. You can add one or two strokes in the winter easily. Um, so that, as you said before, manage your expectation. Um, and then from there, I would say, uh, again, stay consistent. Someone's texted in here saying, uh, can you please ask a simple, and look, I know it's a, in an audio medium, it's not a visual medium, so it's a little bit tougher, but um, Hamish says, what's a simple thing that try, uh, to try to, tr- to stop my drive slicing? And I was going to ask you, Tooms, what's, um, what's one of the most common um, problems that I guess those high handicap golfers have when they come to you? And I imagine slicing off the tee is one of the big ones. If we're going for a straight-out quick fix here, which I would almost never recommend, go and see someone because uh, they will fix you up the right way. But for the sake of a pure Band-Aid, I would say golf's a little bit um, counterintuitive at times. We've got to do the opposite of what uh, we think we need to do. If your ball is, is, if you're a right-hander and your ball keeps going to the right, I would say aim to the right, swing to the right, and make sure the face is pointing to the left. If you can do those things, then the ball will certainly straighten out a little bit. Um, if we think about, say, a right-hander hitting a forehand drop shot, that's what's happening when you hit that big slice. We want to turn that into a nice big topspin forehand. Mm. There you go, Hamish. That, that's, a, that's a great tip from you. Uh, terms, there will be people listening that are, that are a little bit uh, lower handicaps. Maybe they're in the single digits or they're, they're hovering around the single digits. And I know, yeah, yeah. you know, once... Those annoying type that think they're better than everyone. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of them in my group, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> no names, no names. But uh, but it, when you get to that point, it's also very tough, isn't it? Because then, then you're only talking really incremental drops. And I've got a friend who I think he, he sits on a seven and he's been on a seven for like seven years or eight years. You know, he just can't seem to shake those those extra digits what are what are some of the things you try and instill in those guys that that have been playing for a while that are a little bit more consistent that sort of struggle to just break through the next barrier yeah, great question i would say go and get an on-course lesson with a professional because often the difference between say a five handicap um, and a zero handicap won't be necessarily skill orientated their ability to hit the ball out of the middle um, and the right distance will be pretty bang on but their ability to know what to do in a certain situation might not be, you know, as highly trained or skilled. So, for instance, you know, what's the ball going to do out of the fairway versus the rough versus down grain versus into the grain? Um, you know, how much does wind affect it? Or uh, how do I place my shot pattern um, so that my dispersion gives me the best chance of shooting the right score? This is all starting to sound very complicated, but all of this comes back down to decision-making and make, being able to make the right decision at the right time. Mm. And, and we call that golf IQ. So if you, can, if, you can, um, if you can learn to improve your golf IQ, much like Dan Carter can read a rugby game, then you'll certainly set yourself up to improve your scores without actually having to improve your ability. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a fantastic point. Um, some texts that have come in on double eight, uh, double three. Uh, Brian says, uh, could you please ask Tooms, uh, where in my stance I should be hitting my hybrid rescue club? I cannot hit the thing at all. That's from Brian. Yeah, another good question. And slightly subjective, um, without saying Brian's swing, 
um, I'm going to assume that, let's just say, for instance, his swing plane is, is relatively neutral. We want to be playing that ball uh, slightly back of a three-wood, um, so slightly inside that left heel, but slightly ahead of your mid-to-long iron. Okay, so let's, let's, if we're going to give this a general rule, let's say a club head inside your left heel. Oh, there you go, Brian. Club, what did you say? Club head inside your left heel. A club head inside oh, your left club heel. Head, so yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's slightly a, a forward. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Slightly forward, slightly forward. Not quite a mid iron, but also not quite a fairway wood. Yeah, nice. I like it. Um, Chris, this is a very, very common one. I know this from uh, from experience. Uh, sometimes I hit my sandwich 100 metres. Unfortunately, it's normally out of the green side bunker. That's from Chris. <laughs> How Like, the, the short game terms is so important, obviously, um, sort of um, chipping and, and, and pitching and that sort of thing. And I know uh, you you get quite low handicappers on who sort of think they can chip, and then once you get a hold of them, they you basically transform their games. So are there a couple of just sort of little things you can you can give us for, for just sort of chipping around the green and things that might help us out a little bit? 100%. And this is something that's actually becoming a little bit more popular at the moment. We've been taught in the past that uh, steep and down, and I mean the, the way that the club head travels into the ball, um, if that if that angle of attack is, is coming down, then that has been a bad thing in the past. And that couldn't be further from the truth as we're starting to learn more about how uh, short game works. Mm. I would say get that ball a little bit further back, feel like that club is working down towards the ground. So long as the lowest point of your swing is after the ball, let's say two or three centimetres after, you're going to be absolutely fine, no matter what club you're using. Mm, yeah, that's interesting because I think you're right. I think that the sort of the overarching thinking over the last few years has been that uh, has been not to be hitting down. So that's a, that's an interesting point. Uh, someone here, this this is a, a, an interesting one. He says, um, "What is, what is Tom's thoughts on uh, the online courses that I get advertised on social media every second day, the likes of Hank Haney, etc.? What do you what do you make of those sort of online tools?" To there's nothing nothing beats being in person with a coach but is that maybe for some people who aren't able to travel or get out are they sort of good mediums having that having those online courses honestly in my honest opinion i think they're they're great i um i would sooner sign someone up to an online course than point them in the in the direction of instagram reels or youtube um shorts Mm -hmm. um you're going to get a lot more value out of someone talking through the process of a series rather than just a 30 second quick tip um so yeah absolutely get stuck in and the good thing about that is mate is that you're dealing with the same person for a series of videos right so you're getting the context of where they're coming from and why rather than the 30 second clip out of context you know talking to a general audience yeah, and I like that point you made earlier about you know people often looking for that silver bullet. That's where those reels and those shorts come in. You know, people just want that quick fix as opposed to uh, sorting out the extra problems. This one here, and I'm sure you'll know who this is. Uh, for Tombs, I played with uh, Luke at Natawahia. I'm a scratch handicap looking to farm my handicap. Is this acceptable as I'm losing money regularly on the golf course? <laughs> That's from Sids. <laughs> Sids. Oh, Brendan Seidel. What a name. That is a blast from the past. <laughs> um, I'd say try a different hobby, Sids. Um, don't cheat, team. Cheating's not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Funny enough, just, just talking about uh, of uh, people that we know in our golfers, someone texts in um, Regan Pomery, who we went to school with at, uh, at St. Paul's, yeah. and he I didn't know yeah. this, but apparently Andrew Kingham had a hole-in-one. Uh, I think it was at Patatadu when he was like 12 years old or something. Did you know that? I did know that. Yes, I did. Oh, I think um, he, no, I think that's. I think he's milking that. I don't believe it for a second. There's, there's a, oh, are we saying? Are we saying Regan Pomari got? No, 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 no. Andrew Kingham. No, Andrew Kingham got a hole in one, but I still don't believe it. 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I do believe he was pretty, he was pretty handy with a gold Was he? Man. Okay. He was. He was. He's yeah. one of those annoying folk that was like a gun in the classroom and handy on the golf course yeah. and handy with a cricket bat. I know. Very Could, annoying. Couldn't stand those people too. Uh, so, uh, someone yeah. says here, bat golfing after 15 years, played about four or so rounds and have been included in club champs. Uh, what's a great sledge because I have no time to play? <laughs> I don't really know. What, what's, a, what's somewhere to put off your, play, your playing partner, Tombs? Uh, ask them if they breathe in or out on their backswing. Oh, that's good. Subtle. That'll get them thinking. Yes. Now, that's so good because most people think of a sledge, they think, oh, you know, you're going to rip them out or something. But most people thrive in there. What you want to do is make them overthink. That is exactly. Oh, Tombs, that's 100%. fantastic. Breathe in or breathe in. That's too good. The problem is now, I'm going out and playing this afternoon. You know what? I guarantee on the first tee, I'm going to ask myself whether I breathe in or out. Now you've put that in my head. Now you've put that in my head. And, uh, that's all right, mate, because you'll have to come and see me for another lesson. I am. Oh, don't you worry about that, my friend. I'm booking that in as soon as I can. Uh, and last one says, not a question as such for Tombs, but really enjoying watching him on the Taco Golf YouTube channel. We need more content! Exclamation mark. Bit of a shout out if people haven't watched it yet. Yeah, go and check that out. Um, I know you guys have a lot of fun tombs and the videos are awesome um so big oh, those are kind words yeah big kind sh- words I, I i must admit i have to give uh, all the credit to to taco he runs all those days he puts them all t- together he makes sure that we're paid accordingly to make sure that we're not missing out and he does all the editing so full, oh what a legend full yeah absolute legend of a bloke and just comes alive in front of the camera as you know so uh, no, those days are really enjoyable, but Taco deserves all the credit. Right, now I'm telling people, and, and you know, people think I have a bias, and that's probably fair enough, but but ob- objectively, go onto Instagram and check out Tombs Golf, that's T-O-O-M-S Golf, because I love your little clips, I know we talked about shorts and highlight reels, I love your little clips, uh, Tombs, but it's also a great page just for, um, you know, like little golf trips, uh, tips and tricks and, and mental stuff, and also you can jump on uh, Tombs Golf, if you just Google that, you've got your own website, book a lesson with him, book a lesson with the guy, um, I know Tombs, you do online lessons, um, you do package deals, and every single person I've sent to you, including myself, uh, has come back absolutely raving about you mate so uh if people want to want to check you out they need to go and find those websites what are you what are you up to mate over the next uh, couple of weeks a month uh, a months in terms of uh playing any competitions i know the new zealand opens just around the corner what's on your radar uh yeah playing wise so just got a, i've got a couple of pro-ams just through february there and then we've got a uh, very exciting new zealand open um down in queenstown and then quickly followed by a reinstated new zealand pga in hastings which i'm really looking forward to as well Oof. so i got a little bit on the cards um, and I've got to fit about uh, a few hundred clients in between now and then as well. So, yep. but we'll make it work, mate. Um, <laughs> and hopefully, and and hopefully, pump out some more content with Taco. Yeah, that's mate. You're doing what you love, and you're having a great time doing it. And it's awesome to see, I mate. Am, mate. Re- really, yep, pr- no, thank you so much. No, really appreciate jumping on Tombs. Um, go well this summer, and I'll definitely be catching up with you in a couple of weeks for a lesson, mate. If you got time. Absolutely, legend. Uh, yeah, I've definitely got time. I've always got time for you, Sam. <laughs> Thanks. There you go. Luke Toomey there joining us. Uh, hopefully covered off some of your golf uh, questions, tips and tricks. And I tell you right now, go check Tombs out. Even if you just want to look at him on Instagram, it's Tombs, T-O-O-M-S, golf. Go and look at him. Go and check him out. And if you decide you want to go over a lesson with him, it is well worth it. It'll completely transform you. Even one lesson will transform your game, I'm telling you right now. Go out and enjoy some golf, folks. I'm going to knock off at 11. Uh, We are going to go over to Australia, take the cricket, the test, the second day between Australia and the West Indies. Enjoy your tennis, enjoy your cricket, enjoy your golf. We'll see you back here tomorrow.